Welcome to the GFY Podcast, a podcast by healthcare professionals providing insight on how to navigate your health so that you can go fix yourself. The GFY Podcast is hosted by Mike Bruno, a chiropractor and athletic trainer, and yours truly, Michael Stant, an athletic trainer and certified strength conditioning specialist. Disclaimer, although we are healthcare providers, we are not your healthcare provider. You'll discuss, we will discuss general health interventions in this podcast, but you should not take that as health advice that works in every situation. Before doing anything on your own, or making any lifestyle changes, please consult with your own physician. This podcast and views from this podcast are separate from our full-time jobs and are completely our own opinions. So today, instead of me just telling Bruno that he doesn't actually have a real job, Bruno's now going to tell me that I don't have a real job. Time to get serious. Before we actually get serious, I have a question for you. Go for it. Yeah? Do straws have two holes or one? one please explain it's one continuous hole it's one continuous hole yeah okay how many entrances does the straw have it's like your body your mouth to your anus is one hole why do you guys say anus on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) hey that's impossible (laughs) we gotta get selba on here (laughs) the levator ani muscles oh man because no one else is gonna know who he is but um (laughs) Oh man. So, so you're going with team one hole? One hole. Yeah. I'm all about two. I really? think it's two. Yeah. Agree to disagree. I need a more common. You're just like, it is what it is. It's just a fact. I need more than that. You got to give me something. I don't know what else to give. I even gave you an analogy. It's a bad analogy. No, it's not. It goes one in one, one side out the other. It's all one continuous process. Yeah, but if you say your mouth is the same as your butthole, like no one's going to agree with that. But that's what you're saying a straw is. I think people are going to agree with me. I don't think so. Yeah, you're going to have to make this a poll. I will. I will. All right. Let's get down to serious business. All right. So, what we did last week to catch everyone up is Mikey basically asked me a bunch of myths about the chiropractic profession. And then I gave context to why most of those are a bunch of horseshit. So time to do the flip. Now we're going to hit athletic training hard. We're going to hit them right in the crotch. All right. So the number one that everyone thinks of when they think of athletic training is athletic trainers only like tape ankles and give ice bags. And that's like basically all they do, right? Maybe give some water bottles at practice. That's it. Why do you have to go to school for four years to do such a thing, Mikey? obviously that is not all that we do you know we we are even able to evaluate injuries diagnose injuries uh rehabilitate injuries we have to kind of you know be able and you know when i say injuries i'm also only talking about musculoskeletal you know those physical injuries strains sprains and all that but you know at the end of the day we also have to have that bigger knowledge of gen med uh type of illnesses we have to be able to you know, go through, um, maybe I feel like I need to describe a day in my job right now. Cause I, I go think, for it. I think that's the easier way to do it. So for like, as a collegiate athletic trainer, I would say from a scope of practice standpoint, an AT is generally going through the entire scope. Right. So, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, I see injuries, evaluate, I'm giving them diagnosis. I'm giving any restrictions that I need to, whether it's lifting or practice. They're not able to do anything. 
we're rehabilitating the injury and returning someone to the playing field. And, you know, there's a lot of different processes that you need. There's a reason why that, you know, not only did we need four years to do it, people now need four years plus two years, or, you know, some colleges three plus two, because athletic training is now entry-level master's degree. Um, but we need to be able to understand all the physiological processes that occur. <laughs> four plus two <laughs> equals six. Math took a second. <laughs> uh, all the physiological processes that go on in injuries and illnesses and in the rehabilitation process. And, you know, you're going to want someone who knows how long it takes a muscle to heal after you have a partial tear in it. You want someone to know how long it takes a new ligament to kind of be solidified in a joint if you're going to be rehabbing those injuries. You know, we're talking about ACL reconstruction and things like that. So even when it comes to water and hydration, right, we need to know what's appropriate for hydration for athletes. If all we, you know, even though some people might just tape ankles, it's also very important that we don't see on the side before that is a lot of times the ankles are getting rehabbed before going out, or that's actually one of the main things athletic trainers are on the forefront of, you know, we had an episode about injury prevention and, you know, maybe it's risk reduction, but, you know, taping ankles is a risk reduction type of thing that you need to do to try to reduce risk of ankle sprains. Now, is there a more cost-effective way and probably you should be using ankle braces? Yes, but not going to dig in on that. Um, but, you know, I think that, I think the kind of misconception is, you know, we're kind of doing everything for an injury from beginning to end. And that's going to be really different than your typical healthcare provider. Um, you know, you know, a doctor only sees you once and, you know, they'll typically put you off to a PT and a physical therapist. A lot of times doesn't really ever get to see that person return to the field or make any of those, those return to play sports decisions they don't really get to see that. We are truly seeing from in the clinic to on the field in the collegiate setting. Um, I think that probably gets the bulk of it from what you learn in school. There's a, a plethora of other things you do in the college or high school setting where you deal with a lot of administration things and you know pre-participation physical examinations is a common thing, common thing that we have to do, making sure you know we have all the you know, previous medical history paperwork on all of our athletes. Um, you know, you know, with me in the collegiate setting, you know, I range from say the normal AT probably ranges from 50 to 80 athletes they have, and they have to know their, you know, their previous medical history inside and out because you're ultimately responsible for them at all times, all times of day in the college setting, it seems like, but you know, at all times that they're in your care. Yeah. So the big, the big two things that I heard out of that is as an athletic trainer, you are like the volume of visits that you have with a person is much greater. So a physician might see you once or twice a year, a PT might see you once or twice a week for a short amount of time. AT, if you're in season, that's probably every day. It's probably seven days a week or close to it. Yeah, especially depending on sport, you know, I always kind of say, you know, with I work baseball rowing, there's a lot more chronic injuries, you know, a lot, a lot more injuries going on for a long time. And, you know, maybe, you know, typically we're seeing them three times, four times a week, kind of depends on the person. But, you know, when you get that ankle sprain, you're seeing them every day. You're making adjustments every day. You're progressing, regressing every day. And, you know, that's only to benefit the athlete. If anything, it allows them to return to play much quicker because we're there the entire time. Um, Absolutely. 
And I like what you said before too, about like being the it guy. So because you see people at such a high frequency, the amount of trust and respect that they have in the job that you do, if, because they see it firsthand every day, a lot of the times at like my athletic training mentors used to tell me that one day you could be a athletic trainer. The next day you could be their therapist, you know? So like they, you become that rock for them, that person to go to when you might not have every answer, but you know who the person that they need to talk to next could possibly be. And that's something that's just very seldom found in any other healthcare field. I feel. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, you know, the connections definitely end up being a little more personal. Um, It's just how it is, you know, that insurance barrier isn't there, um, you know, for better or worse. Yeah, when you get that patient or you're going to get that <laughs> athlete who's a real asshole and you just have to see him every day and put up with their shit. Ooh, no yeah. one likes that. Um, but yeah, so it's it's definitely just more personal. You're seeing them more regularly. Um, there's someone that they they turn to a lot. And we're also kind of that profession where we have to have a lot more knowledge on all the other healthcare providers that we would refer to or that you kind of just a better understanding of you in our local area, you know, like someone comes in, even when we cover, you know, if we cover something per diem, one of the biggest things we do, they come in and, you know, we think it's a fracture. And the biggest thing we do, I think a lot of times go, Hey, don't go to the ER. If it looks like a stable fracture, how about you go to urgent care first? Like, you know, go save yourself some money before doing that. Or it's like, you know, I, I was talking to an athlete one time and it was a, female teenage field hockey players covering a random event she was talking about you know hey you know i know this isn't something that happened here but just looking like her mom was just looking for advice like her just complaints about consistent calf tightness and fatigue yeah i was like has anyone like have you seen your primary care physician for blood tests for like maybe low iron levels things like that and like you know i feel like as an athletic trainer you got to have that really deep knowledge of all the other healthcare professions and what they're able to do. You know, I think I find myself referring every which way all the time. Now in the collegiate setting, I refer typically to our team physician and then goes out from there. But a lot of times I have to direct people into the correct area. And sometimes it's even too correct guiding them the direct specialty where, you know, especially with elbows. So like, you know, I'm talking to a kid, they're like, oh, I'm just going to go to this local shoulder and knee specialist for my elbow pain. And I'm like, uh, how about you go to the guy that does surgery on 60 of these a week instead and can maybe give you a little bit better understanding of what you're looking at. You're the plug. You're the athlete plug. Yeah. Um, so myth number two, how many times has this happened to you either talking to a friend or at a party, you start talking to someone like, Hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm an athletic trainer. Oh, cool. Are you a personal trainer? You work at a gym? Go into that. Are, uh, are athletic trainers personal trainers? Definitely not. Um, they are two different professions. A personal trainer, you know, that, that typically requires just uh, taking a course, something online and passing an exam where, you know, athletic training is not only having to get a master's degree now, it's having to pass a national certification exam and then you also have to make sure you're licensed in that state and then also depending on the state you're working underneath a team position 
How often has that happened to me? I think I've definitely had to explain that depending on the population <laughs> or, you know, I still have people come to me, oh, you're a trainer. And I go athletic trainer. And they go, oh, so you, so you work, so you, you know, you help athletes work out. And it's like, no, typically what I always tell them is like, you know, the guy that runs on the field, when that guy goes down in the NFL, that's what I do. I feel like that's always the easiest way to do it, but I also don't feel like I'm ever really doing it justice because I didn't give the whole explanation of, of what I did before. But a lot of times I go, this seems like a lot to explain to this person right now that I'm only going to talk to for two minutes. And I find myself kind of like treading back. Um, you know, personal trainers, they're gonna, they're still going to have a very good job, you know, know what exercise to do to help people who are generally weak hit goals for general fitness where, you know, athletic trainers, right. We, most of us probably have that knowledge in a sense and may, and maybe I'm talking out of turn, you know, I have my strength conditioning background and all that, but um, you know, I think as an athletic trainer, we also have that deep understanding of injuries and corrective exercises to help with specific injuries or specific pains and sorenesses, you know, athletic trainers are going to have a much better understanding of biomechanics as well and what's going on at each joint and why maybe pain or soreness is occurring. We, I mean, we're also, we understand how the body moves and maybe there's better ways that a body can move more efficiently. And, you know, a lot of information's out there and I guarantee you there's probably some personal trainers really good at it, but athletic trainers, we have to have such a deep understanding of all the processes that go on within a body to be able to diagnose and treat correctly. Yeah. So another one of my questions is are athletic trainers, even like real healthcare professionals, like, do they have some sort of, I don't know, maybe a degree or a license that might qualify them to do such things that you're speaking of? Yeah. We have all of it. Yes. Um, (laughs) I set you up. I know. Um, Kind of, as I just said, right. All, all athletic trainers, except for in the state of California. That's still a thing. Yeah. State of California. Still, still a thing. Uh, but every other state, you're, you have to be licensed in that state to practice as an athletic trainer. You also have to pass a certified, uh, the, our national boards to be able to practice as an athletic trainer. That was a nerve wracking experience. The boards? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was nervous. We all passed, but we I was nervous. Pass. I don't know. I think going into it, yeah, because you just didn't know. Yeah, what and then you come out and you're like, "What? What was I worrying about?" Yeah. But then you don't know your you don't know your grade for what like a month or so. Yeah, it's a little wild. It's interesting <laughs> how the BOC so long because for the PT exam, they found out like next week. For the CSCS Certified Strength Conditioning Specialist, I knew as soon as I left the exam. That was cool. It was instant. Yeah, that's either a really good or a really bad day. Yeah, but it's, it's cool because like the te- the person at the test center was like, "Congrats!" And it's like I was like, "Oh yes, let's go!" Don't have to do that again. Nice. All right, I got one more myth for you, bro. All right. All right. So, athletic trainers only treat athletes, right? Like no. if you if you don't play a sport, like athletic trainers can't work with you at all. No, that is wrong. Now, do a majority of athletic trainers treat athletes? Yes, but there's also a lot of athletic trainers that work in a in a variety of settings um you know everyone when everyone thinks athletic training they're thinking pro sports college high school things like that but there's plenty that work in you know within physical therapy clinics themselves so they'll end up treating a wide variety of athletes there but then you know i think more recent years and this is even like 
even when we were in school, the industrial athletic trainer wasn't really even a thing. I feel like, I don't know if you remember, I think we had a talk our senior year, someone talk, someone gave us a talk on and we we're all just like, that sounds stupid. But now, now, <laughs> now I feel like we, we look at it. And I'm like, wow, like that's actually kind of a cool setting where, you know, it's athletic trainers and industrial. So we're talking about, you know, at factories or warehouses yeah you know something like that where they're actually going around and helping with the ergonomics how is someone lifting a box are they doing that correctly are they fit for work um workman's comp cases and try and prevent workman's comp cases um things like that so you have the industrial athletic trainers the thing like i even see on the job boards they're now those positions are more like trap they're starting to create some travel industrial athletic trainers kind of similar like travel pts if you ever if you ever had anyone or know anyone's done that Hmm. um what about the military the military jesus <laughs> yeah i think the military is probably the biggest expanding one um you know man i can't remember the name of the program it's like health health to go fitness health for fitness i forget but essentially the entire military setting saw the value in athletic trainers especially on the prevention side injury risk reduction side and saying, hey, let's start employing athletic trainers to work with some of our athletes full time. And, you know, one, one of the things, too, I'm sure that could be part of it. I don't know how that setting works, but a lot of times you hire an athletic trainer and your goal is to is for cost reduction. You know, you're not trying to have to bill your insurance, have to use this insurance to cover all these injuries and things like that. So if you can get an uh, athlete in there, they and really an, an athletic trainer probably pays for themselves if they prevent one to two surgeries a year you prevent one or two surgeries a year <laughs> you probably already paid for your athletic trainer because of all the costs and things that are associated with it so you know and then right if you have an athletic trainer you have someone who is doing treatments on a daily basis so now you're kind of unlocking that unlimited healthcare space for them and you know i think athletic trainers too you know we we took some courses you know in nutrition uh, you know, some of those other holistic courses, but athletic trainers are just getting more and more background and knowledge and, Hey, what, where are the other factors going with this person with mental health, nutrition, sleep, all those other things. And I think people are starting to see the value of an athletic trainer, how much trust they build and how, even on that standpoint, having these constant touch points, they're able to help out and in the military where, you know, there's a lot of grueling training that goes on in the military athletic trainers are a perfect fit going into that setting. Um, just from a cost uh, saving standpoint too, I was actually, so this might be a little strange for you. So, right. We don't, I don't have to work with insurance too much in my main job. However, I actually track all the treatments I do and I bill don't actually bill, but I bill it. I write it all down as if I were to bill insurance for everything I do on every athlete. So this past month, I would have billed for, I think it would have been for $10,000 worth of treatment if I was in a, in a normal setting. Now, if I were to bill that to insurance, would all that get approved? Hell no, because I'm doing like, like five, you know, five, six, seven treatments on someone a week. But think about how much that would cost like a secondary insurance setting or a school if that was actually getting billed every, every time that you're trying to do treatment on an athlete. So that's where I think, uh, athletic trainers are really trying, are really starting to prove their worth in a sense. Um, I know Thank I got you. a little bit off track. I'm trying to think if there's any other settings, you know, you know, a lot, a lot are using physician extender settings. There are some that end up 
in that position extender setting. And then they're also in the OR and like helping out in surgeries and whatnot, depending on surgeons that employ them as well. Um, I think I hit all the big ones. All yeah. The big, like new ones too. You know what I want from you? I want your biggest pro and your biggest con about being an athletic trainer. The biggest pro, I think we already talked about, right? You get to see every single process of injury to recovery in an athlete and you get to control, there's so much more control in it as well. You know, in your profession, you see the person once and you go, Hey, I want you to do X, Y, Z while you're at home. Um, and then they go home they come back a week later, you go, okay, so what'd you do? And they go, I didn't do anything. Um, not saying that doesn't happen in my setting still, but if I'm seeing them once a day, I still give all that at home care. I'm going to see those improvements a little bit more steadily. I think it's why a lot of, you know, right. As a chiropractor, you probably love working with high school, college athletes, especially if there's already like that uh, athletic trainer involved because you're able to do your thing and then send to an athletic trainer who's then able to reinforce what you did for that athlete. Um, And I think that's probably the cool part there. And it's also, you know, in the collegiate setting, there's a lot of collaboration that goes on. You know, I'm not just an athletic trainer on an island of my own. I, I'm in an office with three other ATs. I'm a staff of 14 ATs. We have strength coaches, nutritionists, sports psychologists, sports medicine, our, our team physician. So it's really uh, academics, academic advisor. You know, it's really a collaborative effort that goes into treating this person holistically. Um, and I think the con and, you know, I, I think COVID probably brought this con out. That that's also almost kind of a con in the same sense, you know, from that work-life balance thing. So, you know, typically you for you or a general PT, you treat the athlete for the hour there. When they leave, you probably have no contact with them, for better or worse. You know, I I I get to know a little bit more what each athlete's going through on a daily basis. However, there's really no off switch in the collegiate setting. So, you know, there, there's sometimes where you're getting I'm getting texts or whatever at all times of night and it's you know there is no no reprieve from it so you know as an athletic trainer you really have to enjoy what you're doing at least in the traditional setting uh in the high school college pro setting um you know that the hours can be long you know i always talk about the collegiate setting you know right i have my times you know i'm ramping up to a time of year where i'm gonna be gone a lot i'm gonna be working 60 hours 70 hours a week However, when summer rolls around, you know, the, the work is much less because we were just grinding for four to five months at one time there. Um, that's probably more of the, one of the cons. And, you know, as an athletic trainer, too, I think one of the cons is and that we're working on is people not realizing how much we're able to do and how much knowledge we actually have on a lot of processes. You know, there's a statistic out there. They did a study of, you know, when it comes to orthopedic injury specifically, uh, an athletic trainer came down to the same diagnosis as a physician 93% of the time. And the only variance in that 7% difference was that the physician had access to an x-ray. Hmm. So it, it's, it's not that the con there is that I think athletic trainers are highly skilled individuals. You know, I think, I think we'll continue to be allowed to do more, continue to be on to learn and be on par with the other, uh, healthcare professionals out there, but it's just kind of getting us to that point. Very, very, very nice, Mikey. A plus. Thanks. 
I don't think athletic trainers are a joke in case you're wondering. Well, you're one yourself. That would be ridiculous. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I do think you're a joke, but, um, just well, personally, just on yeah, personal level. Yeah, I hope you take that personally. <laughs> it's going to keep me up at night. <laughs> All right, man. You got anything else for the peanut gallery? Uh, uh, no, athletic training month a month is a month away. Maybe. National Athletic Training Month. Go yeah. hug your athletic trainer and say thank you. But just because don't they are what? Just don't hug me. I hate people touching me. Everyone, go hug Mikey. <laughs> hug uh, Mikey. Show him pictures of your dog. Like all the things that normal people would enjoy, Mikey just hates. Yeah. And all the stuff that people hate, Mikey loves. Mikey just loves to go running. And I, <laughs> there, I have some athletes who, you know, when chores. I do work, they're like, this, is this the most enjoyable part of your day? I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, what else <laughs> am I comparing this to? So I, most of the time, yes. Right. Um, but yeah, I hope that's some good information. People learn something about athletic training, especially those who work in sports or even, you know, parents who are, on the sidelines going, Oh, is, is there an athletic train covering this event? That's someone that we can talk to and kind of get guided in the right direction, get told how to treat an injury, things like that. So mm -hmm. I, I, I hope that's kind of how this information is taken so that someone can learn how to go fix themselves. There it is. Always comes back. Yeah, we got to come back every time. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Until the next one, people. <laughs>